Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. Today, we are happy to have book marketing specialist, expert, extraordinaire, Sandra Beckwith. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. Sandra Beckwith is an author and national award-winning former publicist who now teaches authors how to save thousands of dollars by doing their own publicity, promotion, and marketing. You might have seen her on the Montel Williams Show or CBS This Morning or read about her in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, or USA Today. Feedspot has ranked her website buildbookbuzz.com is number seven among thousands of book marketing blogs globally. It has also been named a top website for authors and writers seven other times. Learn more and subscribe to her free weekly book marketing newsletter at buildbookbuzz.com. Thank you for joining us for the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. Today we have a recording of the video we recorded on July the 19th with Sandra Beckwith. Sandra Beckwith came from a strong background in marketing. She spoke with our group at Living Poetry for a coffee table talk on July 19th. We come in where Sandra is talking about her present path in her marketing career, followed by questions and discussion. Listen in. Right now. What I do is um, I'm a professional freelance writer and I books myself Uh, because I've got those books that I've published as well. I still need to hang on to that author piece of life. So in addition to working as a freelance writer, I teach authors how to promote and publicize and market their books. And I do that through tons of free content at my blog at buildbookbuzz.com slash blog. There is a search box um, on the right on a desktop. If you scroll down on the right, there's a search box on mobile. It's at the bottom of any blog post. Type in any topic you might want to find information about, and there's a really good chance you'll find at least one, if not more, articles about it. And Lisa has sent me some questions that she's going to ask ahead of time. And I did a little research of my own on my blog. And when we're done, there are a few few links that I think will help you in context of Lisa's questions. And when we're, we're done, I will uh, paste them into the chat box so that you can grab those links. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Thank you so much. And I apologize for I flubbed up and didn't hit record. <laughs> but, and then somehow I lost everybody. But I think we're back on track now. So one of the first questions I have is, what is the biggest challenge you have found in the field of marketing 
and how did you overcome it? You know, Lisa, you know, answering this from a, a personal perspective, um, my biggest challenge is, is getting it through my thick skull that what I want authors to know isn't necessarily what they will learn. In, in other words, I know that um, maybe you as authors need to know how to use content uh, marketing to keep your businesses alive, to sell more books, to connect with readers. If you write nonfiction, to position yourself as an expert. I know, darn it, that you need to do that. But if you, you don't think you need to do that, I can't teach you how. You just, you just blow on past. And I don't mean you personally, of course, but you know what I mean. So it has, it has taken me a while to accept that um, I can't teach what somebody doesn't want to learn, even if they need to learn it. So what I do, it's a little sneaky, but what I do is I, you know, I teach what um, authors want to learn and I sneak in what they need to learn kind of through the back door. So um, they get what they want, and I feel like I've done what I should be doing, which is, um, you know, enlightening them. And then the other thing, my other big challenge, you know, what's the hardest part for me, and I think it might be a hard part for you folks too, is, is finding the time for marketing. Um, it's just, um, you know, you have day jobs. Um, maybe you're doing this as a side hustle. Maybe it's a hobby. Uh, and I use the word hobby loosely because you're obviously serious about your writing if you're here on this um, conversation. But um, it's hard to find the time. And my solution to that, Lisa, is I block out Friday afternoons on my calendar for that. It's sacred. Um, I don't schedule anything else then. Um, and that's really the only way I can guarantee that I have time for it. So that's, uh, that's my biggest problem is um, really is time. That's a big one for a lot of people. I imagine if I ask people to raise their hands right now, we have a few that would raise their hands that time management can be a real issue. And so many demands on life as well. Now, what are the top three pieces of advice you would give someone who is trying to sell their book? You know, my, I say this, this is my answer to a lot of questions, quite honestly. My answer to a lot of questions is, uh, you need to have a book that looks and reads like it was traditionally published. Lisa, you're nodding your head. You, you get it. It, it needs to, um, when someone sees your book, it needs to be produced in such a way that they can't tell if it was done through CreateSpace or not, not KDP, the CreateSpace is now KDP. It was done through Amazon KDP or if it was put out by Hachette. Your book needs to look just as good as any book you'd find in a bookstore. And that means a professional cover design that is appropriate for your genre or your category or your subject. Um, business book covers don't look the same as um, romance novel covers. So you need to have a, a cover design that is professionally done and matches the genre. You need to have it professionally edited. And because you're all writers, you might be able to barter that service. There might be people in your writers groups or networks who can um, edit your book 
if you edit their book, that could be a money saver. The thing is, they just need to be good at what they're doing. Um, it needs to be um, professionally proofread. And one thing that I really would like you to do that would serve you well is to um, set up your own imprint, whether it's kind of informally or whatever. Here, here's the deal. When people go on Amazon and they're looking at books and they see in the, public, in the book details that the publisher, it says independently published, that, that means KDP. It used to say Amazon and now it says independently published. That is code for KDP. Consumers are catching on to that. And consumers, right or wrong, they think less of self-published books than they do of traditionally published books. So you want to fool them. And the best way to do that is to have a publishing company. And it's a publishing company with a name that isn't um, Lisa Tomey Books or Sandra Beck with Publishing. It, it's not your street address. It's not... Um, your dog's name. It cannot be connected to you because if it's connected to you, we're not stupid. We'll see past that. So you need to trick us into thinking that your book um, was traditionally published in some way, shape, or form. So that would that's a that's a trick that you can use that will also get you over that hurdle. When you are sending out review copies to the media, you will find that you, you might hear back from publications that say, well, we don't review self-published books. If you have that imprint on the inside of your book, they won't know it's self-published. So if you have a, a, an imprint, a publishing company, and the book looks and reads like it was traditionally published, nobody's going to know, no, and, and you're, you're going to be flying over that hurdle in ways that your competition isn't. So that's, that's the most important thing. Um, the second thing is to really know and understand your target audience. It is so important to know who will buy your book, who will love your book, who will love it and read it and share it with their friends. A lot of times we like to think that our, that our ideal reader is everybody. You know, well, everybody will love this book. It'll help everybody. Oh, everybody can benefit from reading my book. Not, unfortunately, that's not true. It's just how, how it works. And the reason you really want to figure out who your target reader is and zero in on them is because once you know who will love your book, you will be able to focus your efforts. So for example, I hear a lot of people, right? I see in, um, I, I moderate a Facebook group, um, a self-publishing and book marketing Facebook group. And somebody will post a really general comment like, Hey, you guys, how should I market my book? And we have no idea what the, you know, what the genre is. We, we, we don't know if it's fiction or nonfiction, but, but you know what? That doesn't stop people from chiming in and answering the question without more information. And the most common answer right now is, oh, you need to be on Instagram. You got to be on Instagram. Instagram is where it's at for book marketing. And you know what? For some people it is. But it's not for you if you've done the work to find out who is your target reader, who is your ideal reader, you've done that work and you've discovered that your ideal reader is older than 30. Because Instagram, two thirds of the users of Instagram are 30 and younger. So if your book doesn't target a younger reader, 
put your energy into a social network that does target your target reader, that is used by your target reader. And, and for example, if you write business books, you should be on LinkedIn. So if you write um, women's fiction and lifestyle books, you should look into mastering Pinterest. So the more you know about your reader, the better able you are to focus your marketing efforts. And when you get more focused, you will be more successful. It's counterintuitive. You will be marketing to a smaller audience, but because you will be marketing to the right audience, your efforts will take you farther and faster. And then Lisa, the, the third point to that is um, my, my third thing you need to know is um, you really need to invest the time it takes to learn how to market a book. So many authors, they, they write a book, they get it up on Amazon or, or wherever, and then they're like, <clears throat> okay, now what? And what do I do next? Or, or sometimes it's like, oh gosh, I got my book online, but nobody's buying it. How come? It, it is not an if you build it, they will come situation. You have, to, you have to find that audience and do what it takes to get in front of that audience where they're at. And for most of us, that isn't intuitive. So it takes learning. So, you know, read a book, um, subscribe to newsletters, um, take a course. There's a lot of help out there, but you really do need to invest the time to learn. And once you do that, you will have the, um, uh, you will be well set to make the right decisions so that you don't waste your time and you don't waste your money and you don't waste your energy. And as we've talked about, you know, time management can be a challenge. So learn, you know, spend some time learning how to do it. And then you will be better prepared to be more effective and efficient. Financially, I mean, that's one of the big ones. We, we all have to worry about money and budgets and nobody can afford to hire. I had someone send me a quote about fell out of my chair, but I appreciate what they what they are doing. And it just made me want to learn more about how to do what they do so that I can save money. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about that. A quote for what? Uh, a quote for um, doing plebiscite publicity for book well, um, do you have a do you remember what the what the amount was uh it was probably in the neighborhood of about three thousand well that's to, that's cheap yeah to do press release and um connect um authors with you know opportunities like podcasts and video interviews and things like that mostly okay yeah good good to know so yes, it, it, if you're going to hire those kinds of services, it is going to cost you money. The reason I ask is with, if you hired an experienced book publicist, they need a minimum of three months to um, build momentum and then take advantage of the groundwork that they lay. And that a good publicist, an experienced publicist will cost you three to $5,000 a month with that minimum of three months. You can find other people who will cost less and they will be maybe more focused. Maybe it is kind of write a press release and contact just podcasters. Um, but you can also do all of this yourself. 
so here, here's my thinking in terms of, you know, what should you budget for, for advertising and book marketing and that sort of thing? Um, my recommendation is that you put your money into a quality book and then you, you figure out through, um, you know, I've got a, I'll have to add to my links. I've got a free book marketing plan template that will help you sort of get organized with your um, book marketing, kind of walk you through the process, help you figure out your target audience where you'll find them, what tactics might work for them. I'll, I'll, when we're done, I'll add that to the links. Um, what, once you do, if you go through that planning process, you are then better able to do a lot of that yourself. For example, there's no need to pay somebody to write your book announcement press release that you'll send out with review copies. You can do that yourself. And I've got an, a $9 ebook that walks right through the process that gets rave reviews because it walks you right through the process. Um, there's so much you can do yourself. So my thinking is put your money into a great book. If you are going to spend money anywhere outside of that, I recommend spending money on using services that will get you honest reviews on Amazon and Goodreads and barnesandnoble.com and those retail platforms um, because you need reader reviews in place as soon after your book goes live as possible. You, um, reader reviews are, not, they're not my favorite thing because sometimes they're, they're not used, they're, they're not, they don't have information that helps, um, but that doesn't matter. My opinion of them doesn't matter. Consumers want to know that your book has been tested by other book readers and book lovers. So when your book is up on Amazon and elsewhere, you know, one thing people do is they look at the number of the stars at the top of the listing. And then maybe they, they click down and read some of the reviews. But, but a lot of times they're just looking at the number of stars and the average rating. Is it two and a half? Is the score two and a half out of, you know, 25 stars? That tells them something. Or is it four and a half out of 25 stars? You, it's, you need that evidence in place. Marketers call it social proof, but you need that evidence in place that your book is a low risk purchase, even when the price is $2.99, believe it or not. Heaven forbid that somebody should waste $2.99 on Amazon. They, there's this great fear of that. So you need those reviews in place. And there, there are ways you can get them without spending money. If you've got an email list, you can get them from your subscribers. I mean, there's a whole process behind reviews um, and you don't necessarily have to spend money, but there are also services like NetGalley and BookFunnel that you can pay for that will get your book into the hands of people who have signed up to review books like yours. And that is worth the expense because you need that social proof and you need it in place before you spend any money on Amazon advertising because you are wasting your money on Amazon ads if you don't have those reviews in place already. Too many authors, they, they launch their book and they start right in with Amazon ads and then they complain that Amazon ads don't work because they didn't sell any books. Well, there are a lot of reasons that the ads don't work for them. And one of them is they have no reviews in place when they start advertising. So, so if you're going to prioritize spending, it's on services to, to help you have the best book possible. 
and it's on reader reviews if you need to and you don't always need to. And then it's um, perhaps on Amazon advertising. And then BookBub, once you reach a certain point on Amazon, once you get some momentum, um, raise your hand if you're familiar with BookBub. Oh, you, yes. oh, you all right. got to find out about BookBub. You, you have to, okay, it's B-O-O-K, B as in boy, U, B as in boy.com. Start by signing up as a reader. BookBub is a reader, a daily reader email that sends you deal alerts on eBooks. And when you create your free account at bookbub.com, you select the genres you like to read so that your daily email is focused only on those books that you might buy. Like for example, I don't read science fiction, so that's not an option. I don't get those books in my daily email. And um, you select how you will buy books, um, what, what platform you prefer to buy your eBooks on. And then every day you get an email listing books that are at a deal price with your preferred retail platform, whether it's Amazon or BN.com or whatever else the options are. Now, I want you to sign up as a reader first so that you can see how this works. Um, I have spent too much money through BookBub, quite frankly. And my daughters also subscribe and they will forward, you know, the emails to me like, mom, did you see this in your email this morning? You're going to love this book. You have to buy it. So even in my family, you know, we're a little addicted to it and we're, we're all big readers. So in your case, it helps to see how it works as a reader before you explore as an author. Now, each of those deals in that newsletter is paid for the author or the publisher depending on who is the publisher, pays a lot of money to get their book in the deal newsletter. And that is because BookBub ads sell books. I've talked to tons of authors who have had these deals. Their books have been featured as a deal. They have always earned back the cost of the ad and then some. Some of them use it to promote a free book. And the ad for a free book is a lot less expensive than um, a book you have to pay for. But they do it with their free books if it's, the, if it's say the first in a series and they want to get readers hooked on the series because once they read the first one, then they're more likely to buy the rest. So there are a number of different reasons to do this, but BookBub ads sell books. They, they, are, they are guaranteed to make you money, but because of that, they're very competitive. And one thing you need to do to stand out above your competition in your genre, because the ads are genre priced, the bigger the audience for your genre, the more expensive the ads. If your audience is a little more niche, your ad will cost less. But um, one way you stand out is a lot of reviews and a lot of positive reviews that, that makes you more appealing to the folks at BookBub. So that's kind of that piece of it. But BookBub also has um, support for authors. They, they send to authors the middle of every week um, a link to an article that has book marketing advice. And I think the URL is probably partners.bookbub.com, something like that. Or you can just search for 
BookBub newsletter for authors, and you'll get it that way. Every week in your, in your inbox, you'll get really helpful book marketing advice. Things like um, once they sent out um, an article with the best, um, best Instagrammers, bookstagrammers, I guess we would call them the best um, bookstagrammers to watch and follow. Um, links to resources, lots of how-to information, but they're, but they're great. And so save your pennies for a book bub ad too. Andrew, let me interject um, because I've got a novel that's going to take me a number of months to finalize it. And it looks like it's uh, 30,000 or less words. It's young adult uh, motivational uh, science fiction, but it's not fantasy fiction. Uh, it's uh, would be rated uh, mostly uh, um, PG to G. Uh, and let's say um, I, I took your advice and listed it at $9.99 uh, on Amazon, would then you have me do, or, or this fictitious client, not me, um, would you have then occasional weekends where price goes to $2.99 or $3.99? Lisa, do you want me to answer questions now or do you want to wait till the end? Oh, I thought it was Q&A, my bad. Um, let's wait till the end, but... Um... Okay. Unless you want to jump in and answer that, I we can go ahead and finish up our questions. Um, only, only so that um, we can manage the process. Let's just finish your questions, and then we'll start with Williams first, and then I'll get okay. clarification on Williams too. Thanks. Okay, sounds like a plan. Okay, you kind of already touched on social media as being a valuable piece to promote books. Is um, which how much weight would you put on that? I, I love that question because I have, um, I did for another organization, a training program on how to promote your book without social media. So I'm going to add that link as well. Um, because I think you need, I think you need social media only so that you can, um, you can, so that you know what's going on out there and it can be very helpful but there's so much you can do without social media. So if you don't like using social media, I want you to know that you do have options. That's, you know, it's not the only game out there. Um, so it, it's useful, um, but it's most useful if you focus on just one or two networks and you learn how to master that and use it very well. And you need to think in terms of social media for more, um, network building and relationship building than for sales. It's, with social media, you, you go much farther if you go into it thinking about establishing connections with people who can support you more than selling a book today or selling two books today or whatever it is. So I think, I think you, you just need it because people expect to be able to find you online. Um, but if you hate it, you've got workarounds. Thank you. Um, I know try, I've been working trying to get press releases together um, and I'm trying to figure out where to send them. I started doing the, you know, the Google search and all of that, trying to figure out where the best places are. And it's frustrating because so many places seem like they want you to pay to get a list or get connected for press releases. Is there a workaround for that or any there, suggestions? There is. And I will give you a link to my article on how to create your own media list. 
it, it, you know, it gives you um, options for where you can find daily newspapers, radio stations, all kinds of things. And if you are going to create your own media list versus using a press release distribution service, um, two things I would think about. One is start by focusing on your local market. What, what media outlets are, where, are, are around you because um, they will be most receptive to any news you have to share. And if you start first with your local outlets, then you can kind of get the bugs out. You can find out, um, let's say you do a local radio interview. You can find out what kinds of questions they ask. Um, did, did your answer, were you not satisfied with your answer? Can you improve it the next time? Um, what about if you were featured in the newspaper? What questions did the reporter ask? What can you learn from that process that you can use to take it up the next level to say a regional level and then nationally? So I'd say start with a local media list, which won't take you long to compile. And again, I'll give you a link for instructions on that. Um, and then depending on what you write, look into trade journals. Um, any nonfiction authors here? If you are, raise your hand. Okay, I'll talk to myself. No. I'm a fiction writer, but I haven't started any. Well, I, I did write a book a long time ago in the nonfiction. book. Well, even if you don't write nonfiction, <clears throat> trade journals are magazines for specific industries or professions. Um, I write for a trade magazine for chief financial officers. It's called, cleverly enough, CFO Magazine. So if I were targeting, <clears throat> if I wrote a, <clears throat> excuse me, if I wrote a book that targeted CFOs, I'd want to get information about my book into the hands of my editor at CFO Magazine, not saying, oh, write an article about my book, but hey, I'm, I wrote a book about or for CFOs. It's about this topic. Um, I'd love to contribute to any articles that you have in the works that um, could use my expertise. And that's the nonfiction side. On the fiction side, it could be that you've got what I call nonfiction nuggets in your book. For example, one of my Book Marketing 101 students um, wrote a series of cozy mysteries set in a health food store. So she was able to take this concept and get publicity for her book in a health, um, uh, health food, a natural foods uh, trade magazine because the readers of that magazine were intrigued by the idea that this entire mystery series was set in their environment. You know, there are health food store managers and owners and um, they loved, how did this happen? How did this come about? Why did you pick this? So there are um, opportunities like that for you. If for example, um, your protagonist has a disease, let's say the person has um, let's say the person suffers from multiple sclerosis. There, of course, is an MS association. You might be able to get them to um, add a book announcement to their member newsletter um, and put it into their online bookstore for sales. So these are all trade publications, trade magazines. So look in your fiction for these nonfiction nuggets that you can use to build a media list that will target the, the topics that you are writing about within your fiction. But Lisa, I'll give, you, I'll give you a link for how to do that. Thank you, thank you. 
Now, as far as this in this virtual age, what is your opinion about the value of virtual promotions versus in-person book readings? You know, my answer isn't going to be popular with anybody. I, I don't recommend readings. I don't don't read your book from me. I I know how to read. I can I can read from your book myself. What I want to hear about is what's the story behind the book? What inspired you to, to, to write this story, to tell this story? Is there something from your background that triggered this? Um, why did you choose the setting you chose? How did you research that setting? What about your character names? Gosh, they're so unusual. How did you decide on those? Um, Tell me the story behind the story, because I, like I said, I, I know how to read. So I, I strongly discourage doing readings. Instead, engage your audience with, with stories that can help them understand how your story came to be. Now, that's kind of that. Now, virtual versus in-person. I don't like either. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't advocate to do book signings, whether they're, you know, online or in person. And I'll tell you why. It takes a lot of work to get people to show up in a bookstore for you, to hear you tell the story behind the story, and then to buy your book. It is a whole campaign in and of itself. And how many people show up? If you're lucky, it's five. Uh, well, if you're typical, it's five. If you're lucky, it's 50, but 50 is not the norm. So rather than put all that effort into a single event that will disappoint you because you won't get enough people there, most people don't unless they're celebrities, and so that you aren't disappointed, put that time and effort into something that will help you reach more of your ideal readers. It might be a virtual book tour where you do um, Q&As or write guest articles on somebody else's blog. Their blog reaches your the same reader as you. It might be setting up um, a series of podcast interviews. It might be instead focusing your energy on getting reader reviews. It might be harnessing um, a launch team that will then go out and not only write an early review of your book, but share information about your book with their networks online. There are so many other things you can do that will take you farther than either a virtual or an in-person book appearance. And I say that, and I know that people are going to do them anyway. And I get it. It's, it's an exciting time when you've that book is finally out there. It is like, truly, you have given birth. It is really exciting, and you want to share your excitement. I totally get it. So virtual, in that case, is a lot less work than in person. So I would say I'd vote for virtual rather than in person, because it's, it's easier on you, quite frankly, and it's easier to get people to go to a virtual event. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> never anybody's favorite answer <laughs> what pointers do you have for getting books in actual stores this this is tough 
And pointer number one is going back to the very beginning of our conversation. You make it the best book possible. It has to look as good as a book that comes out of New York City or LA or San Francisco. It has to look and read like it's traditionally published. That, that is number one. Um, you can still hand sell to your local bookstores. <clears throat> they might carry a few copies because you're a local author and they will put it in the local author section. Um, and that's, that's always doable. Um, and it's an, certainly a, an okay thing to do, but if you want more than, you know, the Barnes and Noble on the other side of town, because, you know, for most of us, that's all we've got. I don't know about you guys, but I don't have any indie bookstores in my area. Um, I've just got Barnes and Noble. And by the way, speaking of indie bookstores, do you guys know about bookshop.org? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you know about bookshop. Yay, Dottie. Okay, bookshop is my favorite alternative to Amazon for buying books. It is a nonprofit, bookshop.org. You can get any book you want there and you can select the indie store that you buy it from so that they make the money on the sale. At Christmas, my Chicago daughter was home for a while because the bright side of COVID is that everybody could work remotely. So I, I had her behind me on the couch for six weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we did our Christmas book shopping together on bookshop.org and she said, mom, there is a black female owned bookstore near me. It's where I buy all my books. Let's put our bookshop orders through that store to help them out. So that's what we did for all the Christmas books we bought. So um, it's a great alternative to Amazon. Little, little indie bookstore sidebar. But big picture, if you want to go beyond your local store where they're doing you a favor by carrying a couple of copies of your book, you have to create demand for the book. Readers need to be asking for the book. You need to show that it's popular. So that means you need to sort of get things rolling on the online retail platforms first. Get those reviews up there, show that it's selling. Um, you need to work to get publicity. And Lisa, that's where your press release comes in. If you can get some um, trade media reviews, which are um, you know, Publishers Weekly, Kirkus, uh, Library Journal, those kinds of things. Those kinds of reviews in, in the literary trade press will help you a lot for both bookstore and library distribution because it will give you credibility. That the whole thing with stores is, you know, they have limited real estate and they want to give that real estate to books that are going to sell. So you have to demonstrate that your book is going to sell. So it's, and it's a process. And you can also, by the way, sort of hand sell to stores. I mean, you can get, you can buy a list for these stores and you can email them directly and you can go bit by bit, or you can pay a service to do it for you, but you really need demand in place <clears throat> before you take that time or money for that. Those are all the questions that I have. So do we want to go back to William's question? Yeah, let's go back to William. And William, if you would um, unmute yourself. And um, so are you asking if you should discount your price once in a while? Was that the question? Yes. Okay. 
You know, I, that, that is a really good question. What a lot of people recommend you do is, um, is when the book comes out, and even later is a Kindle countdown where you start with a lower price and it can even be free. And, and you can only do this if you go through KDP Direct, which is means a KDP Direct is Amazon's exclusive to them retailing. If you go KDP Direct, your book only can only sell on Amazon. You get a few resources if you go that route and it's it's a limited time um 60 days 90 days i haven't used it so i apologize for not having the, the timeline perfect um but then you decide to redo or not if it if you you know if it expires and you think yeah it wasn't worth it then you can opt out of it and go wide distribution um but a kindle countdown where you start at, um you may maybe even start free and then go then let your price increase but I will say, William, that $9.99, if it's an ebook, is a, is a pretty high price for um, a self-published ebook. So I recommend doing the research to find out what the best sellers in your genre are selling for on Amazon and not just indie books. Look at what the traditional publishing, the bestseller books, look at their pricing and look at that. But you can, if you, if you do that Kindle countdown, um, you've got to promote it. You need sort of a whole marketing campaign as part of that. Thank you. Yes. And I'm going to put my, sorry, I have to, I have to look behind my um, microphone to, to find things on my computer. I'm going to type some of these links into the chat box so you have them. Is there anyone else that has a question? Just raise your hand. Caroline? You have to unmute yourself. Yeah, you need to, to unmute, Caroline. Good, thank you. Yeah. Um, I have two questions. The first is about the age of the book. If a book was published sometime previously, can you still market it? Or how, how might that change the marketing? I guess that's what I would say. All right, sorry, sorry about this. I'm looking for another link. I am so glad you asked that question, Caroline. I love that question. It's one of my favorite questions. As long as your book is available for purchase, you should keep marketing it. And I've got, um, it's not in my links, but I have an article, um, five, five ways to promote your book long after the launch. Here's the bottom line, Caroline. Readers don't care when your book was published. The book I'm reading right now is published in 2015. Hardly, hardly a new book. And I have read books that are older than that. The only time with fiction that it bothers me when a book is a lot older than say 2015 is when the technology is out of date. Like maybe people use flip phones instead of smartphones. Every once in a while, that, that sort of, I get kind of stuck on that, but so what? If it's a great story, I push past. But um, readers don't care when your book was published. All they care about is that it's a good book. So as long as you, you have got it out there, you should be promoting it. Okay, great. Thank you. And, and the, the second question has to do with, uh, do you have any different guidelines for people who have books of poetry? Poetry, I'll tell you, Caroline, poetry is, is a tough sell, but like, like any other book, as long as it's out there, um, you should be promoting it. The real question is, where, do you, where will you find people who read poetry? And I think if, if it were me, 
I would start with Facebook groups. I would look for Facebook groups about um, of people who like poetry. And I'd pay attention to the group guidelines because some of them don't let you um, have uh, openly promote your book. Sometimes you have to be more subtle. You, you contribute as a group member and then you sort of randomly at some point after you've been a contributing member for a while, you drop in. Well, you know, um, I, I just just launched my new poetry book on Amazon and I'm so excited. Um, anybody else here, you know, write poetry or have a collection of poems they want to sell or, you know, something like that. It, you have to be somewhat subtle. But I think if you plug into communities of people who read poetry and Facebook, again, is a great group for a great place for groups, you will start to learn about who they are, um, what's their age range, um, uh, where do they live, that kind of thing. And then also mm -hmm. hop over to Twitter and find the most popular poet with the type of poetry you write. And I would imagine there are, there are niches within poetry, right? Like some people write about nature, other people write about maybe relationships. Find the top selling poetry in your poetry, poet in your poetry genre, and look at the people who are following mm -hmm. them and click through on their profiles. And that will tell you more about who your um, ideal reader is and then that will help you develop your marketing plan that will help you get in front of more of those kinds of people. It's a little bit of work, but where I'm going with this is it helps you start to see patterns. Are these people older? Are they younger? And if they're older, well, um, Facebook might be the best place to reach them in general. You know, you need a face, maybe you need a Facebook um, fan page so that you can get it out there. There's, um, but poetry has such a, it's a much smaller audience. And the best I can recommend is see what other poets mm -hmm. are doing that's working. Copy them, what's working for them, and see if it'll work for you. Great. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have questions? Quiet group. <laughs> Okay, I've put in some links that will help. And Caroline, what I will do is pull up that um, um, article on five things to do long after the launch, I think is the title. And I'll put that in the chat. Five ways to promote your book long after the launch. And this applies to everybody. You know, here's, here's the thing, Caroline, I'm so glad you asked about that because here, here's the deal. Authors obsess about the launch. Everything is about the launch and you can take courses about launches and all these little launchy, launchy gurus. But you know what? Not Authors put so much into the launch, their hopes and dreams are into the launch and it doesn't explode the way they think it should because they took this course that told them they were gonna be bestsellers in a, in a heartbeat. And it turns out that it's only a category bestseller 
and that category needs to have only three books in it, um, you know, not 330,000 books in it. Um, and so others can be disappointed with their launch and they're disappointed and then they walk away from it. They're like, well, it's a flop. Nobody's interested in my book. I'm done. I, I guess I'll just, you know, go water the garden now. There's, you know, they're, they're disappointed and they, uh, it's demoralizing. The reality is there's the launches back, back in the olden times when there wasn't social media, launch wasn't even really a word. You published a book and you promoted it and you promoted it as long as you could. Before social media, I went through three press runs of my second nonfiction book without using social media. And that was straight off of um, readers telling other readers and it was out of publicity, just straight out of publicity. It got picked up as a college textbook even though it wasn't written as a college textbook. And that's because somebody read it and told somebody else who said, oh, maybe I can use that in my course. That was all pre-social media. So we, did, we didn't focus on launches. And so we need to make it part of the plan, but not make it the only part of the plan. And there's so much you can just keep doing. So save some of your energy, put it into the launch, but put it, you know, save some of it for the future as well. And I will also say, I've got a yet another article on my blog about soft launches. I would encourage you to think in terms of a soft launch where you don't ballyhoo it as soon as it goes live. Instead, you share the information with a small group of people you can count on to um, read the book and write an honest review so that by the time you um, really ballyhoo it and put a little effort into it, you will have some reviews in place on your Amazon page and um, it'll make your big launch more effective because you've got that soft launch supporting it first. That's great, thank you. Andrew, I agree with you. The launch really is like an open house, which I've had for numerous businesses. And even my wife had one. And there's gonna be three people that show up. Yeah. A couple of people from next door, uh, the, the mechanic or the tire, tire guy or some, somebody from church or social or teacher group. Uh, it just says I'm open for business. And uh, so I, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Would you consider yourself more of a uh, coach agent, number one? Number two, are, are you saying um, go with an ebook before becoming a physical book? Great question. Um, I am, I do work as a book marketing coach and I have, um, I've created courses that, um, that I offer, programs that I offer. And then I also share um, information about other people's programs, um, people I trust as an affiliate. Um, would you repeat the second question? I just the second, the second one is uh, along the lines of, are you suggesting that Oh, ebook first. Ebook versus uh, physical. Yeah, you know that's a great question, William. That's a that's a really good question. Here, here's my my take on it, and you all factor this through your own filters. I I would do ebook first, and I'll tell you why. Um, that if there are typos or any kinds of formatting issues or whatever, you'll hear about them 
and be able to correct them before you add another format to the process. So it's if you if you start with just an ebook, you've got a chance to um, get a little feedback before you kind of lock in on your design. Not necessary. You can do them both at the same time. Not, so you don't have to, but that's probably how I would proceed. And I would also encourage you all to consider audiobooks as a format option too. Um, audiobooks are, the, are the, the growth segment of book publishing right now. And I will tell you, I, I've always got um, a book coming through my ears. I walk for exercise an hour every night. I listen to a book the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. I, I will cook on the weekend. Got a book going through my ears, which also sometimes helps me make mistakes because I'm listening and not following the recipe. But hey, it's a great book. So, you know, but mm -hmm. um, audiobooks are, are the growth area. And if it's, an, if it's possible for you, think too in terms of adding an audiobook format. And, you know, Caroline Poetry, I think it could be quite lovely to hear the poet read their own poetry. Mm. Poetry in particular, I think I would want to hear from the poet, not from necessarily a professional. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And on that thought, Sandra, with poetry, there's a few of us here. If one of us did a chapbook of say 30, and I feel I've got eventually 18 to 20 chapbooks, which to me is five 120 poem books. Chapbook for free and then double down three, six months later with the 120 page. Yeah, so it can be, especially, especially William, if you um, are building an email list, because then you're capturing, you can capture, um, there's a way to capture depending on what you know, how you set it up, capture their email addresses. So they get your, the first one for free. And then when the expanded book comes out, you can then market to them. Hey, if you liked this sample, you will love the full collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love, e I love email marketing for authors. It's, um, it's a great way to get reviews. And you know what, you, you own your list. Um, if Facebook kicks you off tomorrow, you've lost all your connections. But with email, you own it. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you so much, Sandra, for coming out here tonight. Thank it's you. been great. Mm -hmm. I feel like I just have so much information going through my mind on this. But thank you so much. Let's give her a round of applause for being out here tonight. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. You all have a wonderful night now. Bye. Safe driving home. Thank you, Lisa. Something we don't have to do. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Come back again soon. Would you like to be on our podcast? Send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com and we'll get back to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day.
Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. Today, we are happy to have book marketing specialist, expert, extraordinaire, Sandra Beckwith. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this.